Let's Glow with best-selling author and skin healing expert, Hannah Salito. Hello, I'm Hannah Salito, skin healing expert. It's admittedly been a little while since I recorded my last podcast. In fact, it's been about six months. Life just gets in the way sometimes. My podcasts from last year have now been listened to by over 10,000 people, which is just incredible. So if you're listening to this, thank you. And if you love it, please, please don't forget to pop a little rating review on your podcast app, which will help me to get the podcast heard by more people. Today is an additional bonus podcast, and it's one that's really important to me, and I think it will be to you as well. Six months ago, a lovely lady called Katie reached out to me on Instagram. Katie, or Dr. Catherine Hodgkinson, as she's professionally known, is a registered GP who also practices the importance of diet and lifestyle change with her patients. All too often over the years and through my own experience, I know that many, many doctors still dismiss diet as playing any part in skin conditions. Now, this to me is crazy. Taking this on a really simplistic, logical level, when we talk about psoriasis and eczema, the medical profession acknowledge that these are inflammatory skin conditions. So surely it stands to reason that an anti-inflammatory diet is going to be beneficial. And then if we go deeper into gut health, the microbiome, food intolerances, I absolutely believe we are what we eat. And it's so lovely for me to speak to a qualified doctor who very much believes and practices the same. Katie is the doctor I wish I'd had for two decades when I really struggled with my skin. Instead, not one of the GPs I spoke with ever recommended dietary change. And a couple of them even actively stated that diet played no role in my skin conditions. Boy, were they wrong. I hear this story time and time again. So I hope today's conversation helps offer you a little encouragement. This is not about them and us. It's not doctor versus naturopath or drugs versus herbs. This is about finding a way of coming together so that you can feel more empowered to speak confidently with your GP about following a skin treatment protocol that best suits you. Radiant is Hannah Salito's best-selling book, featuring all the information you need to get started, a dedicated 28-day plan, and over 100 recipes to heal skin from within. Order now at hannasolito.com via Amazon, Waterstones, WH Smith, or your local independent bookshop. Katie, it's so lovely to speak with you finally. I know we first got chatting last year. Now, as a qualified GP, here is the question that I'm dying to ask. Why is it that so many doctors simply do not acknowledge diet when it comes to healing skin? It sounds crazy. There's not really much training at medical school on diet, um, specifics in the diet. Okay, we know, you know, it's a bit about lifestyle and general lifestyle and cutting out sugar and that sort of thing. But we're really not trained, which is awful. So a lot of it's come from my passion in terms of kind of looking everything up. researching, going on courses and just learning from patients. And then I regularly post on Facebook and Instagram. So I'm always posting and researching anyway. So it just comes from that as well. So 
because your way of practicing is very different, isn't it? Alongside medicine, you do look at diet and you do chat to patients about their lifestyle. Very much so. So my, my big changing point was going on a course with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. I, I don't know if you know him. He's got a TV doctor. He, he's completely transformed the way I do consultations, both obviously in my hormone practice, but also GP setting. You know, GP then is often about, oh, here's some medication for your symptoms. And now, you know, I think people are becoming more open to lifestyle and looking at other avenues. And now I spend a lot more time just going through lifestyle with patients and exploring is there anything they could change and often you know, with positive results um, before they even start to think about medication. I know that I will speak for many skin disease patients when I say that I wish every doctor or dermatologist would consider all these different elements to healing but I guess the response that I would get from doctors certainly within the NHS is that they simply don't have the time. It must be incredibly difficult when you've just got that 10-minute doctor-patient window. I get so passionate about it that I don't mind running a little bit late. I think it's so key to get people to understand just how much lifestyle can have an impact on their health that actually I don't really want to cut corners, so I will sometimes spend more time with them. So... Yeah. If we're to make these changes to the way that patients are considered and spoken with, it's important, I think, to work out how we can do that within that 10 minute time frame. Absolutely. I mean, I think you can do it in stages. So, you know, in an NHS setting, you could say, look, you know, there are lots of things that could change. Why don't we start with this, see how you get on, get you back and then make some more changes. There is that option. I think you've got to get patients to understand it's not going to be a quick thing. Um, but I think the key is getting people to understand. So rather than saying don't have sugar, if they understand why they shouldn't have sugar, people are much likely to get more likely to get on board and to actually to do it. I think that's it, isn't it? Explaining to somebody why doing something is important and that will then help them to stay on track in making what can often feel like quite dramatic lifestyle changes. And it would be great to think that more GPs could consider diet. Do you feel the medical world is changing their thinking? I think more and more GPs are becoming more interested in lifestyle and how it can impact on our health. But, you know, I think at the, at the moment the onus is on the doctor to go out and get the training and to look into it. So we know for many years that if you have poor diet, you have poor skin. But I think there's a lot more research going into the gut microbiome. And I think people, the doctors are becoming more aware of that and how it actually does impact on your skin. It's great to hear because I feel it will give patients better support when they approach their GP. And of course, it means that we're working on targeting the cause rather than constantly treating the symptoms. Yes, no, definitely, definitely. I mean, obviously, that's something that I'm very passionate about. And that's what I know about. I think we need to have more training at medical school from that respect, because I think that would help an awful lot of people in terms of reducing inflammation, helping an awful lot of disease. So, yeah, definitely. And as we know, prevention is better than cure. So that in turn should hopefully reduce GP visits. If we can get the patients to work on this underlying level of, of base health. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I think if we can help the gut microbiome as, to be as healthy as it can be, it would totally revolutionise and reduce a lot of disease. So coming specifically onto skin health, I know that you yourself specialise in hormones and I don't think there's any question, is there, that there's a, a significant connection between hormones and skin? Very much so. I mean, hormones can hugely impact on your skin. Um, 
I'll give you some examples. So uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome is a very common hormonal condition where often you have too much testosterone. That can lead to oily, greasy skin and acne. You can get hormonal acne sort of around the lower part of the face. So um, if you're getting a drop in progesterone, um, you can have wrinkles and sagging of the skin, drop in estrogen. Stress can impact, um, you know, cortisol can, can have an impact on hormones, certainly. I mean, there's just some of the examples of hormonal cause of skin uh, skin problems, definitely. So how do you go about treating the patients that come to you? Is this purely a holistic lifestyle treatment or do you combine diet and medicine in what you offer? So it depends on the patient, really, because some people just want lifestyle, absolutely fine, Um and often I'll try with lifestyle anyway um, in many patients, but some others will say, no, no, I definitely would like some hormonal therapy. So I'll, I'll work together with a patient. And in some patients, I'll say, well, look, let's just try lifestyle supplements, get you back in six weeks, see how you're getting on. So it sort of varies, really. But I, I really do say, so I say to patients that, you know, even if I'm giving you hormones, it's not just about sticking as just a sticking plaster. You've got to do the behind the scenes. You know, we don't have to, but I would advise you to do the behind the scenes, looking at your lifestyle, how you can help your skin, how you can help your hormones. You know, otherwise, if you don't do that, then you're literally just putting on a sticking plaster of hormones, and you're not treating the cause. I often talk about what we see on the skin as being a symptom, and that importance of targeting the underlying cause. Do you find patients positively responsive in making changes for themselves? Definitely, because I spend a lot of time explaining to them why, so that helps, definitely. Understanding why is key, isn't it? Knowing the reasons behind why we're doing something. Oh, gosh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think the other thing that we haven't really touched on yet is, is intolerances and allergies. Um, you know, we're seeing a massive rise in intolerances. You know, dairy, for example, often can have a bad impact on skin, things like rosacea. In some patients, I do suggest cutting out certain um, allergens for 30 days and then reintroducing it slowly so it's a way of finding out if you've got an intolerance and often that can have a an impact on their skin by cutting out foods that are causing an intolerance your thinking is very much along the same lines as mine katie that's exactly what i advise people to do using the 28 day plan in my book radiant lots of people ask me about intolerance testing is that something that you would recommend I mean, allergies and intolerances is a bit different. You can do things like patch testing for allergies. Intolerances, I mean, you get all these sort of companies out there that do hair tests and et cetera. But to be honest, I'm not sure how much evidence there is in terms of how, you know, how accurate those are. But I think the best thing is certainly cutting it out for 30 days and then reintroducing. So I think you need to give your, your body a chance to have it without it and then seeing what happens afterwards. And often if you have got intolerance, you're more likely to get a more extreme reaction if you then introduce it, having cut it out for 30 days rather than just sort of reducing it a little bit. Because if you've got, say, a dairy intolerance and you have a little bit of dairy every day, you might get things like skin problems, a bit of gut issues, but you won't really notice something on a daily basis every day. So I cut out dairy for 30 days. I had rosacea and then really introduced it and then my skin completely flared up within about one or two days so I I've now reduced cut out milk completely off the back of that mine was the same with tomatoes my psoriasis just hates nightshades 
Well, yeah, certainly, I mean, psoriasis, nightshades particularly, can, can exacerbate psoriasis. So that is one that I do talk about to patients. So, yeah, definitely. It's actually really lovely speaking with a doctor who understands what nightshades are, because my own GP six years ago looked at me with a very blank expression. So you must have done an awful lot of research to get to the point where you, you obviously understood and realised the diet impact. And Yeah, I was offered methotrexate. I turned it down. But I understood the principle that the doctor was explaining to me about suppressing the immune system. So I began looking at studies on turmeric and shiitake mushrooms and all these amazing foods that were shown to have immune modulating properties. And my research just took off from there, really. It was something that my doctor had just never spoken with me about. I mean, I think I think hopefully mainstream medicine will catch up with with uh, with you and, and yeah, I guess my train of thought and a lot of other other people and hopefully in the years to come it'll become the norm to start thinking about diet first i really hope so because you see it in many diseases don't you heart disease cancer diet is absolutely acknowledged so it seems crazy to me that it's not considered relevant for our skin do you feel the way in which doctors are thinking about nutrition is changing yes and i would say it's a growing movement of doctors i think the numbers are increasing i think um uh, you know there are various exams and diplomas etc you can do now in lifestyle medicine and um and functional medicine and so yeah there's definitely a, a movement towards that very much so this is just brilliant to hear. I feel as though it makes so much sense when we think about the bacteria in our gut impacting all of our health. It really feels as though doctors are starting to catch up. They are. And I, I just, I mean, I, I talk to anyone about the gut microbiome that will listen. I just, I love talking about it. So. <laughs> We're gut geeks, Katie, and it's endlessly fascinating for me as well. As a doctor, you must also get really excited to learn about new studies, new information about the gut all the time there's still a huge area of research which is growing still an awful lot we don't know about it um in terms of hormones it's felt that there may be a group of microbes called the estroblame which may control hormone balance um but they're doing more research into that so it's an exciting area of research at the moment we need to look after it so much impacts the gut doesn't it Definitely. I mean, the, the gut microbiome can be altered by stress or antibiotics or certain foods we're eating. So it's just, yeah, all of that can, can have an impact on our microbes. So, yeah, definitely. Besides diets, we know that lifestyle and stress most definitely impact the gut. Is that something that you're able to work with patients on? Yeah. So again, going back to George Chastity, I think he's brilliant, but he's, he covers the, the four pillars. So diet, exercise, stress, relaxation. So I cover those and go into detail about all of those different aspects just to help to reduce stress. Um, I'm regularly posting about stress on my um, Instagram and Facebook pages about different tips about reducing stress. Um and I think that is so key because stress can have, you know, if we're talking about hormones, stress can have a massive impact on a hormone balance. So if you can reduce your stress, that can can, uh, can help with a hormone balance. It's hard, isn't it? Because especially with stress, it just wreaks havoc with our bodies and it often turns into this vicious cycle. It's very hard because, I mean, chronic inflammation, we know that studies have shown that chronic inflammation can have impact on many, many different diseases. Um, and stress can impact the gut microbiome. Stress can reduce the protective mucus barrier in the intestine. Um, 
And when that happens, it can make those tight junctions a bit more porous. So it can lead to something called leaky gut. And um, when you've got things like proteins and undigested foods uh, leaking through, that can cause inflammation both locally and systemically, including the skin. And then, uh, you know, as we discussed, stress can impact hormones and different hormone imbalances can cause skin problems. So yeah, it's a vicious cycle, definitely. And you've got this gut-brain axis going on too, that very real connection between our mind and our gut, which scientists acknowledge exists. So when we get stressed, that negatively affects our microbiome, our skin worsens, we stress about that, that depletes more of the good gut bacteria. It's a tough one and a very real connection. You're so right. I mean, I, you know, yeah, so going back to the... Um the gut brain axis and 90% of your serotonin one of your happy hormones is in your gut um so you know if you come help your gut that can help your how you're feeling but um yes very and uh, coming back to the 10 minute consultations in the nhs it's, it has been very much problem focused and if you get someone that comes in with depression with skin problems with joint pains it used to be you think oh my gosh i can't possibly fix all of this in 10 minutes they have to come back but actually as you say often there's that one root cause so and this is where my practice has changed as, as a gp in terms of looking at that first to treat all of those other symptoms and i think by doing that we're getting right down to the underlying issue and hopefully healing a multitude of symptoms as well can you offer any practical advice for somebody who is stressed on where to begin working on that yeah, I mean, there are various, so looking at sort of aspect, and I, I guess I'm kind of turning into more of a life coach as well now. So, so just advising if they, have they done any meditation, any yoga? There are various apps out there. I mean, there's, there's this free insight timer is one free meditation app, which, which is very good. So I talk to them about that. I talk about the importance of getting a good night's sleep. So, you know, talking about ways you can help with sleep hygiene. Yeah. And, you know, talking about that, there's a lot of evidence out there that meditation, mindfulness can help reduce stress. Um, yeah. I'm just saying, talking about the evidence out there that we know that stress can, have a negative impact on our complete well-being. So yeah, I do, I do cover a lot about sort of relaxation. But I think you know, if I'm talking about exercise, it's getting uh, finding an exercise they enjoy. There's no point saying off you go, go and go and do a run three times a week if they don't enjoy it. So it's getting them involved, getting them involved to come up with decisions themselves. I don't want to kind of say like go and do this if they enjoy doing I don't know whatever sport they do. If they enjoy it, um, they're much more likely to get more out of it and keep doing it. You know, enjoyment for me is the number one factor and I change my exercise regime all the time because I get bored really fast but I absolutely think that doing something fun doing something you love is key to staying motivated starting is the hard bit isn't it how do you persuade somebody to begin I think all you can do as a doctor or a practitioner is, is just to get get them to understand and to guide them but ultimately it's got to come from the patient and then they've got to make the decision to do it themselves it must be difficult for you at times too, because I'm sure there are patients who do want the quick fix. You know, they simply do want the medication to magically resolve their condition and they don't feel that they should or that they want to do any hard work or be on a restricted diet for life. Yeah, and I, and I guess it comes back to the whole sticking plaster mentality of, um, uh, you know, working on what's behind the scenes. Um, and like I said, yeah, uh, giving the medication too initially, but but doing that behind the scenes work, and then hopefully once you once people understand about how they can improve their lives, it just becomes the norm. 
you know, I'm not saying I, I try and stick to an 80-20 rule. So, you know, don't feel bad if 20% of the time you're having the odd, you know, uh, odd drink or a bit of sugar. But if you try and be good most of the time, then actually that's going to be doing an awful lot of good. Um, I think if you say to people, oh, God, you know, I think a lot of people think, gosh, I can't ever have sugar again or I can't ever have this again. They're less likely to follow it and, and less likely to kind of stick to, to the plan. But as long as the majority of the time, then, then that's great. I wanted to touch on skincare products as well today, Katie, because I know that you're a big advocate of switching to natural cosmetics. Is it something that you chat about with your patients? Uh, yeah, I talk to patients about using products um, which don't have any endocrine acting chemicals. So I ch- I've changed my shampoo and my goodness, the difference is unbelievable. So just getting rid of a kind of everyday shampoo to one that is natural on your hair it, it really does make a difference in terms of you know it just feels different feels lighter doesn't feel dragged down so um, and I had a problem where you know I brushed my hair a lot of the hair was coming out it's splitting off and you know I've just noticed the difference just since changing them over it's just so important it's crazy isn't it I used a, a hotel shampoo a couple of weeks ago and I literally ended up with this awful dry tight flaky scalp virtually overnight and I was away for a couple of days I just couldn't wait to get home to use my own natural shampoo again no I know and, and I had the same so I, I ran out of my shampoo a few weeks ago and for a week I was like oh my goodness I had this awful other shampoo and I think once you changed over you just can't go back you just kind of once you realize the benefits of changing over to other products um and, and you know, skincare products as well you just feel like you can't go back you just you, yeah it's a lifestyle change but it's a positive one i know people listening are going to be so excited to reach out to you katie where is it that they can follow your work my so my name is dr katie or dr Catherine hodgkinson my uh, business is hampshire health and hormones my website is www.healthandhormones.co.uk it's based in hampshire the best way to contact me is to send me an email. The email address will be on the website. So it's got a little link there just to, to contact me that way. And do you offer in-person appointments or appointments via Skype? At the moment, they're face-to-face, um, but that's hoping to change. But right now, yes, they are face-to-face. Dr. Catherine Hodgkinson, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. And I'm just so excited over the coming months and years to watch more GPs following your footsteps taking the route that Dr. Chatterjee talks about and really offering this incredible combined treatment approach of medical and holistic lifestyle considerations. The natural shampoo and hair care products Katie and I discussed in today's episode can be found on my website at hannasolito.com. And if you're interested in making dietary and lifestyle changes in order to heal your skin, my book Radiant features lots of information and a dedicated 28-day plan with thousands of people sharing their inspiring stories and results via Amazon and Instagram. I hope not to leave it too long between episodes next time. And thank you so so much for listening. Hannah Salito's natural skincare range is available to order now. Featuring a skin soothing spray, scar minimizing oil, hair care, teas and tinctures. It's the natural solution to support your skin healing journey. Order now at hannahsalito.com.